Here's the beauty about God. He is your complete supply. Mentally, physically, spiritually, he's your complete supply. You don't need him and something. You just need him because he supplies all that we need. Uh, quick review. Catch you up to speed. Now, I, I'm going to just encourage you, all right, to not tune me out because of what you're going to hear, but really to, to listen closely because there's going to be value in it as we get going. Uh, bring us up to speed. The Gentile Christians were, of course, thrown in confusion when there was uh, this, this teaching that they had to be circumcised. And then when, the, when they went, they sent a, a group to the council at uh, Jerusalem and found out, you know, not just circumcision, but obeying the laws of Moses and all that kind of stuff. And then the council met together and they declare that, you know what, you do not have to turn a Gentile into a Jew for them to be a Christian, all right? They're saved by grace, not by the works, not, not by anything you can, you can do or anything that's done in your flesh. Uh, so anyway, they, they did that, and, uh, but they did come up with a few particulars that were to be sent out and communicated to everybody. We talked about those last week. They are very solid things for us to remember even today. Uh, their wisdom. And then, uh, and, and if you notice when you read the writings of Paul, these four particulars that we looked at, they are, they are in woven into his letters to the churches. He, he stayed true to what was the instructions to pass on to all Christians. Uh, anyway, these instructions helped to unify the church and get them going in the same direction. So that's where we were at. Now we're at Acts 15, verse 22. It says, there is then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Bersabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And here they are again, that you abstain from that which is sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter and when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers in many words. And after they were sent, or after they spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. <coughs> Excuse me. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. All right, so let's get started here. First of all, I'm going to highlight there are a few different groups here, five different groups or 
people in here. We see the apostles, all right? The apostles, I'm gonna, and again, you know, you, you may know this, but you might not. The apostles were people very specific that had actually encountered Jesus Christ and been designated by the Lord in the service from which they were doing for him, okay? Paul uh, was not in that original group, but we know from Acts chapter 9 that he had his encounter with the Lord and that at that time he was also designated to be an apostle and, and he was to the Gentiles. Okay, so that's the first one. Then you got the elders. The elders are those that were appointed by the apostles. They are the next layer down who were appointed, and it was based upon qualifications. You can read the qualifications in Titus chapter 1. Don't do it right now, but you can read them later. But there is one particular part of those uh qualifications that I do want to read to you. So listen closely. It's in Titus 1.9, because the first part of that is, I think, relevant for every man that's a Christian man. But this part is really what stands out in the elders. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So see, the key thing about the elders was this. They were, they were taught by the apostles. They were taught sound doctrine, and their job was to continue teaching sound doctrine to the ability that they knew when it wasn't and would handle any contradictions to it. And that's the reason why they were set up in the different churches. Uh, after that, we see the prophets. It makes mention of the prophets in there. Again, we touched on that in Acts 13. If you remember, and was here on that Sunday, they were teachers with distinct anointing or giftings that, that literally gave them the ability to, to see the leading of the Spirit and to get in alignment with that and to reveal the truth as it fits with that, okay? So that's where they were in, in, as far as in the order of things. And then you got the Gentile, Gentile brothers, which we will see is basically all of the Christians that were in all of the different churches that were not Jewish. And then you got the last group, some persons. <laughs> some persons who were what? Who were basically causing problems. Guess what? There's always some of those persons. There's always some of those persons who are trying to undo what the Lord has got going or to create some kind of division. There's always some persons that want to basically do the devil's bidding. Here's the good news. They don't go to this church. All right. Hallelujah. They're out there someplace. Let's keep them out there. But anyway, uh, these are all the players. And so when we're reading through these scriptures, you're going to notice how they fit into it. So here's the, there's two things today, two focus points that I really want you to get. The first one is this. We read in our, our text, since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and to send them to you. Now, this is tremendously important, but it gives me an opportunity to focus your attention for a little bit because here's the reality, folks. There are some persons that are giving things that are unsettling. 
They, they create doubts. They create confusion. Uh, I have a lot of you that are under the age of 30. If you're under the age of 30, wave at me. Right, come on, be proud. All right, good deal. Now listen, here's the thing. There is a tremendous push to create a lot of doubts about what we believe, even to the point that Christians who are not really firmly settled in what they believe and in a doctrinal understanding of what they have, that they will sometimes begin to doubt. They will sometimes come to the place where they begin to question and go, well, you know, how do you know that God is the way? How do you know that, that this is the only way? I mean, you know, maybe this whole Christian religion was, was created like all the other different religions. Folks, we need to settle that. I want to encourage you in how to settle that this morning. But the bottom line is they selected men to go out and to communicate the correct message to the church. Why? Because there's people that were communicating the incorrect message. And that's the way it is, folks. There is a negative message and there is a positive message. <clears throat> there was a need to send out people who taught the church's theology correctly. Because bottom line, here it is, ready? Not everybody who goes out was sent out. Think about that for a moment. Not everybody that goes out is sent out. There's a lot of people out there that were not sent out. 1 John 2, 19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. And I can tell you right now that there are many that at some point in their life may have had church in their childhood or church in their teenage years, and yet now they're at a place where they got nothing to do with it. And yet they are still communicating some kind of message, and it's predominantly a message that they have bought into, and it's an imitation of something. Um, did you know that you can go online and become an ordained minister for $40? Did you know that? Yep, you can go. Here's a site in case you're interested. Universal Life Church. Please don't go there. Universal Life Church. But here's the point about it. Is it, it is, for $40, you can be an ordained minister. And there are some people that might surprise you. Did you know that Dwayne Johnson, how many of you know who Dwayne Johnson is? The Rock? Yeah, he's ordained with, the, with this church. And, and, and listen, she may start a revival any moment. Lady Gaga. Wow. But see, here's the thing. They only have two tenets of faith. Now, if you go on the website, you're going to see our tenets of faith. These are the things that we believe, right? Okay. But well, they have two tenets of faith. Here they are. Real simple. Number one, do what's right. There's a nice broad subject. According to who? According to what standard? According to what guidelines? I don't know. Just do what's right. And the second one is let everybody be free to worship whoever, however. But here's what's crazy is we live in a world today that a person who has an ordination is acknowledged as an ordained minister 
There's not a lot of distinction sometimes between if they're an ordained minister under the authority and, and the guidance of somebody that, that keeps them in accountability or whether they're in an ordination where they can just do whatever they want to and communicate anything that says basically this, hey, just do what's right. Just do what's right. Here's what's crazy. When you look at the website, when you get when you scroll down a little bit, you will see all of the symbols of every religion that we know. So basically, the whole mentality of it is, is, is you know what? Just do what's right. Worship however you want to. And here's the thing. You can just pick your religion. Whatever it is, whatever it is, just pick it. So it's like a buffet. But you know what? Look at how many Christians today, today and in this country, look at how many Christians today that will at some point maybe have some kind of reference to a scripture, like maybe they took their daily promise. Remember those little boxes you pull out your daily promise, the scripture of the day, right? Your daily promise. And how many of them will pull out their daily promise and read it in the morning, but then later in the day will go to their daily horoscope because they want to make sure that they're covering all the bases. It is a very mixed up world. Very mixed up. And how did it get that way? Well, real simple, because not everybody goes out with sin out. Not everybody who's communicating some kind of gospel message is sent by God to do so. And you know what that means? It means this. They go out with no accountability. Folks, do you know how much trouble you can cause when you don't have any accountability? Do you know that you can pretty much deliver any message, communicate anything you want to? And, and, and what's crazy about our country today is you can communicate anything you want to and there will be some that will gravitate toward it and begin to latch on to it. Mohammed came out of a cave with a revelation that he got from an angel. Basically, if you look at it really closely, you'll see it's a combination of three different religions that he pulled together to create his own buffet. But here's what's crazy. He had a message that appealed to a very oppressed group of people and they massively began to unite behind it. And now it's the second largest religion in the world. Put that in perspective of how all that came to pass. Paul describes the process of his journey, and his journey included this, that once he had his revelation of Jesus, once he was, he was told what his assignment was, and he spent some time before God, the Bible tells us that he, he went to the apostles and he, he laid it out in front of them, so that, as he said, so that I would not run the race in vain by preaching something I should not be preaching. And, and he, there was an accountability. This is Paul the Apostle, apostle but uh, the Apostle, Paul the Apostle. And, and he kept himself into accountability. That is majorly important. Because if not, everybody in the world can whatever, and, and somebody, will, somebody will listen to it. Somebody always has. So here's why I'm saying all this. 
what the Bible says is 100% correct. And if you're looking at me and you're going, how can you know? Well, this is something you probably all know, but listen. 66 books make up your Bible. 66 books written by 40 different people over the course of 1,500 years. Now think about that. People who never met each other, people who never, who, who, who might not have even known the other person was over here and God was saying something to them. And yet when all of this was compiled together, it's like a puzzle that has intricately been placed together and it is all in absolute unity, giving us one message about one God that you can base your life upon and it's transforming. And I promise you, you will not find in any other religion that that transforms your life. You will not find that that fills the vacancy. You will not find that that brings the peace. It's not there. In fact, in all the other religions, you are some way, somehow trying to appease and get to God. Only in Christianity does Jesus come and dwell inside of your heart and life and say, I am pleased to be in you. Beauty of it is, is what you begin to understand about God is he's <clears throat> given us far more than he's ever even asked for. But my point is this, 2 Peter 1.20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture comes down from one's own interpretation. For no such prophecy was ever brought forth by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see the picture there? There was no one prophecy. There was no one person going, I got a revelation. No, every one of them were carried by the Spirit. And because there is one God, one Lord, one Spirit, then that one Spirit has in harmony brought every message to every person he ever said, sit down and write this. And it's in perfect harmony with everything else. God is the gold bar. He's not the funny money. He's the gold bar. He's the real, genuine truth. And his ways are perfect. The Bible is sound doctrine. And everything that's preached ought to stay in absolute alignment with it. Listen, your opinions are okay, but what you need to communicate is what the Word says. Well, I feel, okay, well, keep it to yourself. No. What we should communicate is the truth. The truth. Titus 2.1 says, teach that which accord, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach what lines up with sound doctrine. And here's the thing. There's only one of those. There's only one sound doctrine. And it begins with a beautiful word, in the beginning, in the beginning. And after that, there's come all kinds of imitations. Folks, lots of imitations from a, from a few guys that, that, that sat in a trance and came out and wrote the Vedas to Muhammad, 
to Buddha who said, forget God, let's just reach our perfect state. I'm just going to say it. It's all a bunch of junk. It doesn't set set you free. It has no promise of eternity. It has no solution to the real problems that we have in this world. Sound doctrine should be in alignment with the scriptures. And And I promise you that when you look at things that err from that, it errs from that because somebody has an agenda. And somebody is in error. Look at what it says here in 1 Timothy 6.3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Not what you want to be, right? A different doctrine, a different doctrine. In fact, I'm going to tell you something I found really interesting. Years ago, when, when I taught world religions, one of the things that was, it was so unique because this was in a book that basically had no preference of religion. It was just explaining all the religions of the world. But here's what I thought was really interesting. Ready? The first God ever recorded in history of the world. His name was El. Interesting. Because what does the Bible tell us was the first name that God gave? Elohim. Elohim. See, folks, there's no denying. Even when you really get all the facts and all the history, and it all comes down, God has always been, will always be, in sound doctrine is what he's given us. And here's how you can know if it's sound doctrine. It always aligns with godliness. It always takes us back to God. It never, it never says, oh, yeah, go with your feelings. Oh, yeah, go with your thoughts. It always takes us back to God, godliness. All right, now I'm going to move on to the second one. Here's another passage in our text. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. They rejoice because of its encouragement. Those who were actually sent out, okay? So the first thing we're talking about is there were some that were sent out that were not supposed, well, there's some that went out that were not sent out. And what did they do? They, they communicated a message that created an unsettlement that, that caused people to have all kinds of doubts and questions about God. Now, here's the group that goes out, sent out. And guess what their message is? It is hope and encouragement, It's a good message. So I pray you hear this. Not a message of false promises. We pray today for healing. It is a promise of God. It is a promise of God. Yeah, but we pray all the time and and this one doesn't get healed. It is a promise of God. It It is something that we have to hold fast to and believe. And what I know is this, is that God heals everybody. He just doesn't heal them the way we always think he's going to. But he always shows up, Diana. He always shows up. It's not a false, 
It's not a message full of false promises. It's not a message that says you can live however you want to. It's not a message of guilt and shame. Did you hear me? The pulpit's been used to create a lot of guilt and shame. Now, there is conviction. And when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're out of line, you, that's wrong. You need, to, you need to respond to that. But there is, there is therefore now come no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he took the guilt away. You see, there would be guilt and condemnation if you couldn't change. But God says, I can change you. That's why he calls it a new creation. What a good deal. Are you, folks, what a good deal. We have such a good God with such good gifts, with such amazing love. But, you know, that's not part of it either, nor is just hoping to manipulate and gain something from you. Beware. How many of you know who Hubbard is? Yeah, God started uh, Christian Scientology. Yeah. Let's see if I get this right. 1957. Direct quote from Hubbard. He said this. He said, if you want to be a millionaire, start your own religion. 1963. He applied and got approval to start a religion. Church of Scientology. And by 1957, he was make, paying himself a quarter of a million a year. You know what's crazy? Before he started a religion, he couldn't even pay his bills. For two decades, he couldn't pay his bills. Barely surviving. You see, he had something to gain with his religion. And there's a lot of people, that's, they have something to gain. They either want you to follow them or they want you to be devoted to them or maybe worship you or maybe just give to you and, and, and just do whatever you say as your, as, at your whim. Folks, listen, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, For these men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. There are people that come out with a false message and they are exactly that, false teachers false prophets. <clears throat> but those who were sent out from the church of Jerusalem, they went out and they preached a message that was encouraging. And all those unsettled feelings were quieted, calmed, because they, they were reminded, listen, what you got is sound doctrine and just stay with it and don't listen to all these other people and all of their messages that are coming in. The message that encourages and strengthens. That's the message we gave you. That's the message you hold to. So this morning, I'm going to do something for just the next couple of minutes. But I, I need you to prepare yourself. Because I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know what kind of stress and things that you're under right this moment. But I'm going to give you four things. And I'm going to start with an Old Testament scripture, and then I'm going to go with a counterpart in the New Testament, okay? Basically communicating a message. Because here's the thing, folks. If, if, if this doctrine that we have is seamlessly wove together like a puzzle, then you can find the Old Testament and the New Testament and the New Testament and the Old Testament, okay? They're in harmony together. 
So I'm going to give you four things. And I pray that one of them will do something for you personally. And it'll be maybe that word you were needing to hear today. But here they go. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed or discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a great verse. But look at New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. No, what's that? No problem, no situation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Think about that. You're going through something? God's faithful. That problem's not bigger than your God. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. And then John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You don't need to be afraid, folks. God's given peace. Oh, but pastor, I've got this report. Oh, pastor, I've got these tests. His peace will rest upon you if you keep your eyes on him. Uh, Psalms 23.1, verse most people can quote back at me. And the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Saying what? The Lord takes care of me. He'll meet my need. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Folks, no matter what's going on in your life, God's got you. Here's the beauty about God. He is your complete supply. Mentally, physically, spiritually, he's your complete supply. You don't need him and something. You just need him because he supplies all that we need. And then the last one, Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts. Saying what? God is it. And I put my trust in him and he's got me. And oh, how beautiful these words of Jesus to those that were around him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Bring it to me. Listen, it's beautiful to know that this is what God has. He has all that you need. But the bottom line comes down to, will you come to him and lean upon his strong shoulders, trust in his mighty word, find peace in his presence? I hope so. If you're here today, I hope one of those verses said something, did something. Because here's the thing, correct doctrine encourages and gives us hope. It reminds us that our God is big. It reminds us that our problems are temporal. It reminds us that he's everlasting and we have an everlasting hope. Praise be the name of the Lord Most High. I want to read one more thing. Our text finishes with this right here. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. <clears throat> According to church history, this is what I wrap up with. And those are going to help me with uh, communion, get ready. But listen, in church history, what we know, timeline-wise, 
is that this period of time where it talks about right here just sort of ends with, and they stayed in Antioch for a while. This is when Paul will sit down and will write the letter to the churches in Galatia. So we know the book of Galatians, right? I want to encourage you to join me this week. You may have your own Bible reading and your own schedule, but I want to encourage every one of you to read the book of Galatians with me this week. Because what you're going to see, because of everything that we've been talking about, you're going to see woven all through Galatians are these very things right here and how, how that immediately the church began to share these things. And though it may have brought some conviction, it brought hope and encouragement. So I invite you to read it. I think it'll take a new, a new life as you read what he communicated to the churches that he had already been a part of and set up elders to lead. Amen.